Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, September 19th, 2013. Today we are reading from the big book. We are in Chapter 6, Into Action, and we're going to be starting on page 82, the second full paragraph on that page that starts, If We Have No Such Complications. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, September 18th, is 5151. That's 5151. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'd now like to ask Diane G. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane from New Hampshire. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive believers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane. Um, and I might have a reminder here if you have not unmuted your phone so that we have a quiet recording. So if everybody would mute, please. I'd now like to ask Sharon H. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Sharon and the 12 traditions. One, 
Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. And eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. And nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Sharon. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in Chapter 6, Into Action, and we are on page 82 today. And we are going to begin with that paragraph, the second paragraph on that page that says, If we have no such complication." And today I would like to ask KDF to please get us started. Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. If we have no such complication, there's plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober, for there will be no home if he doesn't. But he is yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents whom for years he has so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding is the patient's 
patients, mothers, and wives have had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, many of us would have no homes today, would perhaps be dead. And I was not married and, you know, did not have children, was not living at home anymore when I got um, abstinent, but I did have four roommates. And um, I had stolen from them. I had, you know, neglected my responsibilities. And uh, my whole attitude and outlook had to change, and it did. You know, I, I started being a better um, employee, a better, uh, I was a better daughter. There were some, um, you know, things that had to change in my relationships with my family, Um and I didn't have to, you know, it's not like we share our inventory with every every person we knew, but um, there are definite changes that have to, to take place. Um, I want to focus on this line. It says, the only thing he needs to do is to keep sober. Well, if I, all I worried about today was being abstinent, you know, I would be stark, stark raving abstinent, as some people um, have said, you know, I, I, I can't just be, um, worry about me, myself, and I. This is about becoming a um, others-centered person and someone who cares about other people and cares about everything that's going on and not just, you know, my own um, life and just worrying about me, myself, and I. So, you know, if it's this is this paragraph is giving us an opportunity to identify in, even if you know, like I was, we you know weren't married, didn't have a relationship, didn't have children or uh, parents, you know, in in the middle of those last um, the last period of eating, um, there's still you know a, a change that has to take place. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Ms. Kim. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. Gosh, I thought this for years, for years. You know, I thought abstinence was the goal. Abstinence was the aim. That is the be-all and the end-all. And that is like studying for a test and shooting for 50%. You know, the, the goal, the aim is to be recovered, to have that obsession removed, to have a neutrality around the food, to cease fighting anything or anyone. Because let me tell you, in abstinence, I was miserable and I made sure everyone around me was miserable. And I would punish them. Like, don't you know I'm not eating? Don't you know I'm 10 pounds down? You guys should just tolerate my behavior. I mean, people wanted to throw candy bars at me at certain points because they just wanted me to shut up. They were so sick and tired of walking around eggshells when I was on my diet. Because abstinence makes you feel better. It makes you feel anger better. It makes you feel depression better. It makes you feel anxiety better. Absence in and of itself is the longest 24 hours I have ever encountered. And I was not going to suffer that misery alone. 
I was restless. I was irritable. I was discontent. I could not feel comfortable in my own skin. And I punished the people around me. But yet I thought, sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. And they don't care. Of course they want me to stop eating. Of course they want me to afraid for me for my weight. But all the damage that I've done, they want me to no longer do those things. And unfortunately, some, a lot of times when I was abstinent, my behavior became exaggerated. It became accelerated. And I would do more damage as an abstinent woman than I ever did in the food. So it's so essential here. We know what our goal is. We know what our aim is. First, we must get abstinent, absolutely. But the goal and the aim is to become recovered, to treat the larger aspect of our disease, that obsession of the mind, so we can achieve neutrality around the food, that we are no longer cocky or that we are afraid, that we are no longer fighting anything or anyone, that the obsession will be removed. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Well, this is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. All right, we're talking here in the big book about step nine, and we've just finished talking about domestic troubles, you know, domestic troubles, where the big book has talked about what happens when perhaps there was some unfaithfulness, unfaithfulness where there were troubles between husband and wife, between partners, and now we're talking about what about the rest of the family, even if we had none of that. You know, and alcoholics perhaps had a great many of those domestic, kinds of domestic troubles that they've been talking about. But as compulsive overeaters, I can say that now they're going to address the very things that I had trouble with, that I had trouble with. So what about those people that were surrounding us, parents, partners, family, the patients of mothers, wives, you know, the support people around us that loved us so much. How did we treat them? Now it's going to ask me, how did I treat them? And if I'm going to look at this clearly, it says I'm going to have to look at more than just staying sober. You know, because as, as Kim so wonderfully shared about, sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is to keep sober. Well, as a compulsive overeater, isn't that what I thought in the beginning too? All right, I'm just going to stay abstinent today, today. Still kind of focused on myself. And, And do we need to be? Absolutely. You know, when the food is down, there is a certain amount of structure and discipline that needs to happen around the food because we do that every day. Unlike the alcoholic, we can't just put the alcohol down forever and ever, amen. We still have to deal with the food. But there's going to be so much more that has to happen for me than just keeping abstinent. And it's how about the people that I am so close and intimate with, my family? How about the people that surround me in an everyday life? What am I going to do with them? Because passing all understanding it says, is the patience of those mothers and wives, the people that loved us, the people dear to us, who were helping us, even when we were checked out with the food, even when we were unable to live life on life's terms. Who was, who was taking up the slack? 
Who is dealing with the things that I couldn't deal with? Now the big book says I'm going to look at those relationships as well. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? All right, let's move on to the next paragraph. And Kathy, could you read that for us? Sure, thank you, Janice. Um, the alcoholic is like a tornado running his, roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead, affections have been uprooted, selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up out of the cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife he remarked, Don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? And I'm Kathy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, yes, uh, I love the first sentence. Uh, the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Um, I remember the first time I read this, um, and I had not yet um, worked the steps the way I have now. And uh, my first reaction was, well, that wasn't me. I just had to stop compulsively overeating. Um, I did not identify in with this at all until I completed my fourth and fifth step and um, began to really see in sharp relief um, the damage I had done. I just, up to that point, could not see it. Uh, My thinking was so distorted and my character defects so strong that I um, I thought what I was doing was uh, being nice to everybody and um, uh, doing my best to take care of other people. I had no awareness of my selfishness, my dishonesty, um, my fear, and how those uh, really drove me to behaviors that were like a tornado. Um, I uh, I also want to say that um, since becoming recovered, I've had moments of um, uh, craziness. You know, when I don't uh, absolutely work my maintenance steps on a daily basis, I can find myself a bit off kilter, even if I'm abstinent. Um, and um, we'll be reading about steps 10 and 11 and 12 in a little bit. But um, I know that uh, given who I am and always will be, and that is a compulsive overeater, I can be abstinent for a long time and still have uh, emotional slips. Um, Nothing like before. And I know exactly what to do when that happens. I know it means that my connection with God has been disrupted and I'm acting on self-will. So um, these descriptions here 
are a wonderful reminder of what happens when I don't actively um, work my program to the best of my ability. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Kathy. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sharon. May I share? Go ahead, Sharon. Thanks, Janice, and thank you to everyone out on the line. Um, I, this paragraph has always meant so much to me, but boy, this morning, you know, um, I'm certainly seeing it through different eyes. Uh, the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Uh, selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who comes up out of the cyclone cellar to find his home ruined and to his wife remarks, don't say anything the matter here, Ma, ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing. We just recently had uh, horrific floods here in Colorado and specifically up in Boulder and Longmont and some of those uh, counties. And, and we experienced the rain here where I live too, but it was not with all the devastation that came with the floods. And it just reminds me so much of this paragraph because then uh, now that the rains have finally uh, receded, you see the devastation that the water caused from these floods. And it just is such an analogy to me of what we do uh, when we are in the throes of our addiction and how it affects everyone. I mean, I just see these roads that are just trash, bridges gone, homes gone, people getting off a helicopter with all they have are the clothes on their back. And I just see that so clearly I, today with what I did when I was, um, you know, thinking that um, there was no damage done uh, when I was in the throes of addiction and all I had to do was stay sober one day at a time and everything would be different. So, um it is amazing to realize um, honestly and truthfully and painfully um, the damage that was done and that uh, by God's grace and being given the gift of abstinence, uh, that is not enough. It will never be enough. Um, the temper and the anger and the, all the selfish, self-centered things that drove my addiction are the things that I must um, be willing to work through these steps so that God can change that heart and mind of mine as well. So with that, I pass, and thank you so much for all of your service. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to on the Go ahead, Margaret. Good morning. Good morning, Janice. Uh, yeah, selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. Yes, this is Margaret, um, recovered compulsive eater in South Jersey here. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I came into the uh, rooms and, you know, when they said selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our problem, I'm telling you, I was so blind. I saw none of that in me. That's what's so scary is that I really couldn't see it. I used to think, well, yeah, my husband's selfish and inconsiderate. But that's all I do is give. So how am I selfish? And, you know, you know, just like it was said on, you know, previous um, people here sharing, you know, it is in the fourth step that it begins to come out. The light of day begins to come out. And, um, you know, today I'm so grateful because uh, I was uh, reading, you know, the Francis prayer and where there is discord, discord I may bring harmony. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to uh, 
embarked on my son's wedding this Saturday, and I am just amazed that I am bringing just harmony. I pray for harmony every day of my life today to be able to bring harmony. And um, when I feel that discord, when I feel that restlessness, irritable, and discontent, thank God I I know what to do. And it's because of the, you know, just like it was said, we're going to get into step 10, 11, and 12 soon, but it is because of my strong, you know, getting stronger in those steps that the maintenance steps that I'm able to keep at bay when my uh, restlessness comes up. I have a way out, you know. Bill says when he saw Abby, he says he saw a way out. And I, you know, this is the way out. So anybody who's, you know, embarking on this program, believe me, it is the way out. It is the way of escape of, you know, this um, selfish and inconsiderate habits that I didn't even know I had. You know, I had to look at them and see them and, and find them before I could begin to allow God you know, to change me. So with that, I'll pass, and thank you all for your service. Thank you, Margaret. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning again, everyone. I love this tornado analogy. You know, and why is, you know, I think it's so beautiful that it's put here as we're ending step nine, because as people are saying, you know, when we're in step three and we're in self-will run riot and we're constantly in collision with other people but we don't see it, if we're the actor directing the play and causing disharmony, we don't see it. And in step four, when we're taught that selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our trouble, we still don't see the effects we have on other people. It's only when we go out and we start to make these amends that we're seeing how we're the, we're the tornado. We always felt the victim of other people's tornadoes, and we're starting to see that we're the tornado. You know, one of the questions I was instructed to ask at the end of my amends is there any, was to ask the person, is there anything else I need to know? And I was shocked and humbled and saddened by the effect I had on other people that I was totally unaware of, totally unaware. Because I really thought if I'm abstinent, everyone should be happy. If I lose the weight, aren't they happy I'm thin? So I would come out of that, shop, that cellar and say, don't see anything the matter here, Mom. Ain't it green? The green, the wind stopped blowing. And unfortunately, I think our country has experienced the last few years many natural disasters, which illustrates the, the horror of this. You know, Colorado just happened, but I'm in New Jersey. I was near Superstorm Sandy. My Jersey Shore is never going to be the same. It wasn't like Superstorm Sandy happened in October and in November the shore was back. The devastation was incredible. And it took a lot of work and a lot of money and a lot of effort by a lot of people to try to restore this shore. And it never will be the same. That is the devastation that we leave. And it's a lot of work. Those gr I don't call them maintenance steps. It's the growth steps of the 10 through 12 that's going to allow us to try to restore some faith in, of other people in us. So it is this humility in step nine of going to people and making these amends and recognizing and seeing for the first time what we have done to people through other people's eyes that's going to allow us to see how we have hurt others, to allow us to understand the devastation and give us the asking God for the strength and direction of how we can now go out from here and repair our past 
And that doesn't mean tomorrow we get up and the flood is over. Tomorrow we get up and more, more Oklahoma has, just pretends a tornado didn't happen. That we get up in New Jersey pretends Superstorm Sandy doesn't happen. That those fire, the, the uh, fires in, in the West Coast just pretend that didn't happen. Step nine lets us see the true devastation. And with God's help, we can walk forward and start to repair it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Well, this is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The sentence that really stuck out to me is, we feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. We feel a man is unthinking. Well, I don't know about you, but I didn't used to like to think too hard about the devastation I was causing. You know, was I available? Was I stepping up and being there for my family, for my friends, for those closest to me? No, mostly I was face down in the bakery box and the carton and the cellophane bag. I didn't like to think about that. You know, life on life's terms was not something I dealt with easily. You know, I was constantly turning to the ease and comfort that I tried to find in the food. And even when it was gone, I couldn't stop myself. And I kept turning to it. So here we are in a spiritual journey, you're telling me. And the big book is saying that I'm going to have a psychic change. That if I work these steps, as if my life depends on it, then I am going to have the spiritual awakening, and I'm going to be able to live in a spiritual experience. And that's what step nine, the work of step nine, is going to bring me to that place, ever closer to a higher power, getting the power that I used to lack to deal with these things in life. But I was going to have to think about things. I was going to have to think about those people that I had harmed. I was going to have to think about the devastation that I had caused and be willing to step up and try to make right those situations, make right those relationships. Sweet relationships are dead, it says. You know, and I had destroyed so many of them. People's attempt to be close to me, to be intimate with me, my close family, my close friends, I had destroyed that by my food addiction, but now that the food is down, I'm getting an opportunity. And the the 12 steps are not a punishment. Step nine is not a punishment. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity and a beautiful opportunity to step up, to be real, to be open, to be honest, to find myself again, and now to find myself in these relationships. And to offer myself to these people. You know, what a beautiful thing that is. And it's not going to happen any other way except my personality changing. But that's what you promised me if I worked these 12 steps. That it would be there for me because it had worked for you. This personality change. Sufficient to bring about this recovery. That would open me up to a new way of thinking. And I wouldn't be unthinking anymore. You know what? What a wonderful thing to hang on to and to remember as I work my way through the steps, especially step nine. 
you know, starting to have the courage to do the things I was never able to do before and to do them abstinently. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula, may I comment? I'm sorry, I didn't quite hear. Tell me again. Leanne. Anne. Paula. Leanne. Anne, Paula, and someone else? Let's start with Anne and then Paula. Hi, it's Leanne from Florida. And I'm, I'm sorry, it's Anne. <laughs> That's okay. I'm uh, doing step nine, uh, continuing to do step nine, and um, something came to me yesterday. I never, I never knew I was coming in this program to be discipled into a way of life that I always wanted and I always sought after at church. I did all kinds of mission trips and everything, and I never knew that's what I was going to get here. But I was working alongside somebody yesterday who is not one of us and who has a natural way of of living, I mean, just doesn't have to do all these things we have to do to live a life of serving God. And just listening to that just reminded me of like, wow, you know, um, I'm so grateful that I'm aware today of what life is all about. Um, she made a comment that about something about having a servant's heart, and she just naturally does. And that's what I was looking for my whole life, and that's what I was brought to here in this program. I thought that once I had the food down, surely my life would be perfect. And, um, you know, looking in detail about what these into what these steps required me to do, I never knew I'd have to do so much work just to get right with God. And um, that's it. That's that's the whole thing. You know, Amy Grand, the wind stopped blowing, and I don't have to do anything else. And how not true that is, but how grateful I am that, um, just like Janice was sharing, you know, this brings me to what I always wanted. And, um, you know, the food uh, was such a block. And once that's down, I, I saw all the other blocks. And there, there, there continues to be blocks that come up. But with the tools and the, the steps and all the tools I got through work in the steps and the fellowship, and learning how to share, and learning how to tell the honest truth, um, there's a way out, and there's a way to restore my relationship with God, which allows me to repair all the damages little by little. There's a whole lot of damage to repair, and I can't handle it all at once. And that's why I have, you know, we have guides in our life and sponsors that can just say the right thing at the right time. So I'm really grateful to be reading this today, and I'm so grateful we've been talking about Step 9 because it really gives me a kick in the butt, you know, to keep going until they're all all gone. I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leanne. And go ahead, Paula. Thank you. Thank you for your service, Janice. Well, this paragraph is so graphic in so many details, but even then, does it really touch upon the light? Because we're talking about a tornado here that touches down how many times? How many times? It's describing once here. Once. No. No. Not in the family that we loved and we lived with. It would be many times. Not like when you go to work for five days. Oh, yeah, five days. No. No, no. Don't eliminate. It would be all days. Whatever days. It says here, hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead. 
Affections have been uprooted. Look at a tree that's been uprooted. Isn't it sad? It's not in the position that it was meant to be, tall and strong, reaching for the sky. No. Laying on the ground, withering. And there you see its roots with nothing to hold on to. Very descriptive, isn't it? But before you can build, any architect will tell you, you must see what is there, what is present. And then you can build. And then and only then you can build. You must know the damage that is there. Every bit of it. And then it says here, you know, as we look at um, the family afterward, whoa, you don't want to look, oh, sweetheart, you want to build? Then you look. Then you look. And he tells us so many things. So much is, is there. The head of the house ought to remember. We don't have to be the head of the house, whatever. And by the way, we often think we are. Ought to remember that he is mainly to blame for what befell his home. He can scarcely square the account in his lifetime. But he must see the danger of over-concentration okay, on financial success, it says here. But let me tell you something. Success will come with God. Success will come with God. Since the home has suffered more than anything else, it is well that a man, a man come here. He is not likely to get far in any direction if he fails to show unselfishness and love under his own roof. Hey, I know how you are at a meeting. I'm the same way. Lord, I'm everybody's friend. But here, this is where the change must take place. And first, it must be within their own heart. And then we work from there. Then we work from here. But the end line, my, ain't it grand? The wind stopped blowing. Yep. The wind stopped blowing finally. Oh, what joy in that statement. Now we get to work, friend. It's only just begun. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And was there someone else that wanted to share in this paragraph? All right, then let's move on to the next paragraph. And Rebecca, could you read that for us? Good morning. This is Rebecca F. from Connecticut, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. We must take the lead. A remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fit the bill at all. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it, being very careful not to criticize them. Their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. So we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our Creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. And I just feel so privileged to be on the line with all of you sharing this program together. I'm I'm so moved, and this particular paragraph is so meaningful to me. Um, The notion that there's a long period of reconstruction ahead. Um, We're reconstructing our lives and doing that with God's help and the help of each other and the help of the directions in this big book. Um, we, I had a life before, but it wasn't satisfying 
it was um I was always looking for something in all the wrong places, let's say. And um now I'm on this long period of reconstruction and I'm um seeing my life change in miraculous ways as a result of this work that I never dreamed were possible. I didn't even know what I was looking for, and I certainly didn't know that Overeaters Anonymous was going to help me find find it, but here I am with all of you uh, reconstructing my life and um, taking the lead. I Taking the lead as God would have me take the lead, not my own self-will trying to um, push my agenda on other people, taking God's lead, in fact. And um, rather than, um, like we talked about yesterday, saying we're sorry, a remorseful mumbling that we're sorry will not fit the bill. That's not what amends are. It's practicing these principles in all our affairs. It's um, being what God would have us be and asking God to show us and stepping out of the way our own self-will and allowing God to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Um, uh, So we sit down with the family and we frankly, you know, we get frank with people for once instead of um, bold. (laughs) whatever, you know, we get real and honest and analyze the past as we now see it because now we have a new pair of glasses where we can see our past. I couldn't see before what I was doing to other people. I thought I was Miss Goody Two-Shoes. I had no clue that I was selfish, self-centered, dishonest, and fearful and um, acted accordingly and um, stepped on people's toes and couldn't understand that they were retaliating for my actions. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Being careful not to criticize them. You know, um, their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible You know, it's that whole which came first, the chicken or the egg thing, you know. I find that now that I've stopped or, you know, for the most part, stopped stepping on people's toes or when I do, I have an awareness that I'm doing it so I can um, rectify a wrong, they're less inclined to um, lash out at me before they were retaliating for stepping on their toes. But I'm not stepping on toes anymore and they're nice to me, and, and they act in kind. And I also have um, the willingness to accept people, warts and all. I'm not perfect. They're not perfect. I give them the space to make mistakes and to falter, and in turn, they're more likely to give me space to falter. So we clean up. We clean our house with our family, who we've probably done the most damage with, and we ask each morning, this is the step nine prayer in meditation, that 
our Creator, please show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. And it's such a beautiful way to start my day. Um, And throughout the day, when I feel uh, the bristles go up on the back of my neck, I can always remember to ask my higher power to show me patience, kindliness, tolerance, and love. And it makes, you know, this to me is the essence of this program all tied up in a bow in this paragraph. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rebecca. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning. This is Lisa from South Jersey. Go ahead, Lisa. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Janice. Um, Lisa, recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. Um, Rebecca summed it up so beautifully. Uh, it's, it's hard to follow that, but um, it this paragraph touches me the same way. Um, at first, you know, uh, when my sponsor would say to me, you know, this is a long period of reconstruction ahead, I didn't get it until <laughs> I finished the step process. And um, I had, like, why do I always have to be the one to take the lead? I feel like that's always been in my life. But um, <clears throat> it's a humbling thing. It's a humbling thing, this program. And um, their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. And, you know, sometimes I still get, you know, this is not a magic wand. I mean, I'm not trying to give the impression that I don't still get irritated or um, recognize other people's or get offended. But what, um, like Rebecca was saying, every day we ask, for patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. And what I love about this program is I have instructions. I have um, skills and tools I can use. I know that when I'm offended, all I have to do is think about the bottom of page 66. We realize that people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, we're sick too. We ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. So it's a whole other ballgame now. If I feel myself being irritated by someone or offended, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know if every morning in meditation, my objective, I'm searching for patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. And then if, it, if I can do it, you know, maybe 80% of the time, 85% of the time. But that other percent, when I'm not doing it, I have instructions on how to handle life. And the beautiful thing I wanted to share was last, a friend of mine, her mother died. And I called her last night. And, you know, we're talking, and, you know, I prayed with her. And she said something to me that was astounding to me. She said, oh, Lisa, I need you so much in my life because you're such a pure spirit. You are just love. And then she's going on and on. And I'm thinking, I'm laughing in my mind. I'm like, "Ah, if she only knew. She didn't know me in my disease. Um, 
if she only knew where I've been, but what a blessing, what a gift that this program is. That no, I'm not a perfect, evolved being, but I do know how to live my life today. And when I do something that is off kilter, I clean it up right away. And because of that, my relationships have so much more depth and substance. And I'm just so incredibly grateful for this program and uh, feel very privileged to be on the line with all of you. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? It's Irini. Go ahead, Irini. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual fellows and sisters. My name is Irini, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Reconstruction, wow. What does that mean? It's to build again after it has been damaged, after, after we destroyed our lives, because we took the lead in, in doing our lives the way we wanted to do it. Now we have a new lead, and that is our high power, and that he will guide us into rebuilding our lives. You know, we have been awakened now, and we can see better and, and see what our responsibilities are for ourselves and for others. And we're standing on new soil, and that is God's soil. That's a steady foundation. That's the rock that's going to hold us up. And that's going to, and, and it's his light that's going to guide us on. And we stand and we're ready to build our lives according to his will and his way of living. And it's about returning to the vision that we were meant to live. Wow. Wow. It's, it's, and our circumstances haven't changed. We are being changed. We are being changed the way we think. We are being changed the way we act, and then we are being changed of the way we feel. And that's just so awesome. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Rudini. Well, this is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. So what is what is the name of this chapter? Into action. <laughs> Into action. And that first sentence, yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. I say thank God. Thank God that there's a long period of reconstruction ahead. Thank God that now I know that there's going to be some reconstruction going on here because that was information I didn't know. And I don't know about you, but I tried so many self-help kinds of ideas and books and methods, and none of them worked. But here, I'm going to be given the power and the strength when I ask. When I ask, you know, we ask our creator. We seek our creator. We're asking now, right here, right now, in my home, with those people closest to me, how do I do this? How do I ask, just for this morning, just for this day, to have ways of patience, to be kind, to be loving, to be tolerant? You know, that's what, there's where the power is going to come. because. I'm on a new footing. You know, I've made conscious contact now. And I love that the very end sentence, 
we're already getting into some step 11 practices here, thought through prayer and meditation. You know, we're already getting a taste of what's to come and how we're going to stay steady and stay on course. You know, bless them, change me. Their defects may be glaring. The things that they did may be glaringly apparent to me now. But guess what? I set those aside, look at myself, and try to be helpful and useful right here, right now. I'm not in next week and next month and next year. I used to have such good intentions, such good intentions to change things. But this program is reminding me that I only have to do it for today, one day at a time, just like my abstinence. I work these steps one day at a time. One day at a time, one meal at a time, one action at a time, into action, into action. And we take the lead. We don't wait for other people. I used to like to wait for other people, thinking, well, if they'd only do this, then I could do my part. Well, now I'm going to step up to the plate and do my own, do my own. And then however the outcome turns out is up to my higher power, is up to God. But I'm going to be seeking the ways of love. You know, God, reveal to me, guide me, educate me, show me the ways of love. Because that's, that's how things are going to be transformed today. Today, I have a new way of thinking, of acting on life rather than reacting to it. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I comment? Go ahead, Paula. Thank you. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsible Reader. I just want to look at a few words that are words that seem very simple, but they change your life. As we now see it, as we now see it, I who thought I was so helpful. Oh, let me show you the way. Oh, let me let me tell you what you did wrong. As we now see it, now it becomes clear. It couldn't then. Under the fog of alcohol, compulsive eating, binging, whatever, there was nothing that was clear. It was so fogged up today. And that's where we are today. I can see it. And look at the next, a little comma, small, but look at what it separates you from. Being, and please be very clear here, being very careful not to criticize them. Know what the outcome will be. You criticize, they don't come along. That's what you've always done. They're different now, as we now see it. Do you see what your words have done? What your actions, your deeds? Good. This is good. But look at what it says here, and I love this part. And oh, Janice said it so well, but I'm going to come alongside. So we clean house with the family. With, not at the family, not showing them, well, if you had done this, or let me tell you now how we're going to do it. No, no, with the family. Honey, as this is a we program, this is with the family. Asking each morning in meditation, oh, here we are, that our creator, honey, you don't know the way, be clear. You don't know the way. You haven't gone this way before. How would you possibly know? Show us the way I pray for myself and I pray for my family you know we have a GPS better than 
CI changed the GPS, even the uh, global positioning. No, no, God positioning. In the way of patience. Didn't know patience. Tolerance. Oh, look at this bundle, honey. Kindliness. In love. It ends with love. And may I add, it begins with love of a creator. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. We have time for one more share on this paragraph. Would anyone like to comment? Press star one to unmute. All right, I'll take that as a no, and we'll close the meeting here today. I see our time is almost up. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Thank you to uh, all the readers, to Diane and to Sharon for doing the steps and traditions, and to all the readers today, Katie, Kathy, Kay, Rebecca, and Lisa, and to everyone who shared. Um, We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Lisa, could you read that for us? Are you there? Press star one to unmute. Janet, this is Melanie. I can do that. Oh, would you do that, Melanie? Thank you. Thank you very much. Hi, everyone. My name is Melanie, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. Oh. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass. Thank you, Melanie. Now, all who care to, would you please press star 